Hello people, I hope you all are doing well at your end. I am Simran Triplani and I welcome you all to the study with this Simran podcast. Today in this episode, we're going to cover chapter number 18 of grade 11th biology that is body fluids and circulation. So without wasting time, make sure that you are having your NCRT open. Let's dive into it. Here we go. We have learned that all living cells have to be provided with nutrients, oxygen and other essential substances. Also, the waste of or harmful substances produced have to be removed continuously for healthy functioning of tissues. It is therefore essential to have efficient mechanism for the movement of the substances to the cells and from the cells. Alright, different group of animals have evolved different methods for this transport. Simple organisms like sponges and cylindrates circulate water from their surroundings through their body cavities to facilitate the cell to exchange the substances. More complex organisms use simple fluids within their bodies to transport such materials. Blood is the most commonly used body fluid by most of the higher organisms including humans for this purpose. Another body fluid that is lymph also helps in transport of uh, uh, certain substances. In this chapter, we will learn about the composition and properties of blood and lymph tissue fluid and the mechanism of circulation of blood is also explained herein. Let's start with blood. Alright, now, blood is a special connective tissue containing or consisting of a fluid matrix, plasma and formed elements. Remember the constituents of blood. It is fluid matrix, plasma and formed elements. Three constituents are there. Alright, keep that in mind. Now, let's discuss what is there in actual plasma. So, plasma is a straw colored. Remember, it is a straw yellow kind of colored viscous fluid constituting nearly 55% of the blood. Remember, it's 55% of the blood. 90 to 92% of plasma is water and proteins contribute 6 to 8% of it. Fibrinogen, globulin and albumin are the major proteins. If we talk about fibrinogen, they are needed for clotting or coagulation of blood. Globulins primarily are involved in defense mechanism of the body and the albumins help in osmotic balance. Plasma also contains small amount of minerals like sodium, calcium, magnesium, uh, bicarbonate, chlorine, etc. Glucose, amino acid, lipids, etc. are also present in the plasma as they are always in transist in the body. Factors for coagulation or clotting of blood are also present in the plasma in an inactive form. Plasma without the clotting factor is called serum. Not this thing. Plasma without clotting factor is called serum. Now remember the function of fibrinogen, globulin and albumin. Uh, here I would add one thing. Like because of anxiety, you know, because of fear, we may get confused during pep writing, paper attempting paper, we might get confused uh, between the function of globulin and albumin because these are kind of similar terms. So make sure that you are aware that globulin is actually involved in, you know, defense mechanism and albumin is aware, uh, involved in osmotic balance. So just keep that in mind. Now let's discuss what are formed elements. Erythrocytes, leukocytes and platelets are collectively called formed elements and they constitute nearly 45% of the blood. Okay, so 55% is the plasma and the 45% is the uh, formed elements. So erythrocytes, let's discuss what these erythrocytes actually are. So erythrocytes or RBCs or the red blood cells are the most abundant of all the cells in the blood. Okay, a healthy adult male has a, on average 5 million to 5.5 million of RBC per millimeter cube of blood of blood okay rbc's are formed in the red burn marrow in the adults rbc's are devoid of nucleus in most of the mammals and are biconcave in shape but they have nucleus in case of you know frog uh, okay they have a red colored iron containing complex protein called hemoglobin hence the color and name of the cells okay a healthy individual has 12 to 16 grams of hemoglobin in every 100 ml of blood this molecules play a significant role in transport of respiratory gases rbc have an average lifespan of about 120 days after which they are destroyed in the spleen or the graveyard of rbc's so the information of rbc given here is like you know quite simple uh, we all are provided but the information about leukocyte is actually the challenging one we should uh, be pro with the information given about 
leukocyte as well so let's just discuss leukocyte in details uh, leukocytes are also known as white blood cells uh, as they are colorless due to the lack of hemoglobin they are nucleated okay and are relatively rare, lesser in number which averages about 6000 to 8000 per millimeter cube of blood now remember it's 6k to 8k not 600 to 800 okay it's about 6000 to 8000 Per, uh, numbers per millimeter cube of blood okay leukocyte are generally short-lived we have two main categories of white blood cells like granulocytes and agranulocytes neutrophils eosinophils and basophils are different types of granulocytes while lymphocyte and monocytes are uh, agranulocytes now the trick to remember granulocyte is benten like ben uh, basophils eosinophil and neutrophils all right and agranulocyte includes the two things that is neutrophils and uh, sorry lymphocyte and monocyte now if we talk about the function the neutrophils are the most abundant cells which are about their characteristics not functions um neutrophils are the most abundant cells like around uh, 60 to 65 percent of the total white blood cells and basophil are the least that is 0.5 to 1 percent uh, among them if if the concentration of basophil cells increase then it, there are higher chances of cancer okay now neutrophils and monocytes are around six to eight percent in our phagocytic cells which destroy uh, foreign organism entering the body basophil secretes histamine serotonin uh, heparin etc and are involved in inflammatory reactions remember this now eosinophils that eosinophils uh, are you know kind of uh, acid loving uh, feel means like you know eosinophils like acid loving can resist in are around two to three percent then they resist infection and are also associated with allergic reaction remember e allergy a eos now pronounce allergy as allergy for just uh, till the duration of need okay just to keep that in mind that allergic reaction involve eosinophil allergy eosinophil okay it's allergy but if pronounce it as allergy till your need examination to keep that in mind that you know eosinophils are the one which are involved in allergic reactions lymphocytes are around 20 to 25 percent and are of two major types b and t forms both b and t lymphocytes are responsible for immune response of the body and the latter thing is like platelets platelets also called as thrombocytes are cell fragments produced from megakaryocytes that are special cells in the bone marrow blood uh, normally contains around uh, uh, it's around 1 lakh uh, 50,000 to 3 lakh 50,000 platelets per millimeter cube and the platelets can release a variety of substance most of which are involved in the coagulation or clotting of blood a reduction in the number can lead to clotting disorders which will lead to excessive loss of blood from the body uh, just like in case of hemophilia now let's discuss this uh, diagram figure 18.1 very very important diagram this shapes the number of lobes present the question might come up on the size as well okay so this neat people are like uh, crazy people uh, the composition given over here is also very very important remember neutrophils are around 60 to 65 percent and basophils are around 0.5 to 1 percent monocyte is around uh, uh, mm, uh, 6 to 8 percent neutrophils and monocyte together can constitute about uh, 6 to 8 percent and if we talk about eosinophils then they constitute about 2 to 3 percent okay uh, if we talk about the order like uh, you know if you try, try to uh, arrange this leukocyte in, uh, in in descending order in the uh, in the order of abundance then neutrophils is like uh, having six most uh, abundant is neutrophil then comes this uh, uh, sorry yeah neutrophil then comes this monocyte then comes this eosinophil and then comes this last one that is basophil okay then lymphocyte is actually the second one after neutrophils so neutrophil then uh, lymphocytes then comes this uh, eosin nay then comes this monocyte then comes this eosinophil then comes this basophil all right so just try to uh, mem memorize this uh, order in the decreasing order of their abundance or increasing order of the abundance is the way in which you are comfortable it okay now let's discuss what are these blood groups as you know blood very easy topic of this chapter is blood groups i actually like that so much the question are also you know kind of quite easy from this blood group section okay as you know blood of human beings differ in certain aspects through it uh, appears to be similar various types of grouping of blood has been done 
Two such grouping, the ABO and RH, are widely used all over the world. If we talk about the ABO grouping, then ABO grouping is based on the presence or absence of two surface antigens. Uh, uh, two surface antigens chemical that can induce the immune response on the RBCs, namely, remember, antigens are present on the RBC and antibodies are present on. Uh, plasma like uh, two antigens are like a and b we had given them name a and b similarly the plasma of different individual contain two natural antibodies protein produced in response to antigens remember this the the distribution of antigens and antibodies in the four group of blood that is a b uh, a b and o are given in table 18.1 quite important table but very easy though you probably know, you probably know that during blood transfusion any blood cannot be used the blood of donor has to be carefully matched with the blood of recipient before any blood transfusion to avoid severe problems of clumping that is destruction of rbc the donor's compatibility is shown in table 18.1 quite easy table just make sure you are looking at it once okay from the above mentioned table, it is evident that the group O blood can be denoted, donated to person with any other any uh, other blood group, and hence oxy sorry hence O group individual are called universal donors. A person with AB group can accept blood from person with AB as well as the other groups of the blood. Therefore, such person are called universal recipients. Now, here is a quick question for you. Just uh, listen to me very carefully. Okay, see. If a person is having O negative blood group, we know that O blood group is universal donor. Alright. Now, if a person is O negative and if it is having blood group O, okay, and that is O negative blood group, can that O negative blood group be donated to the uh, person who is having A positive blood group? Well, the answer is no because of RH antigen pres uh, absent in case of O negative blood group. That's why we can't. Uh, uh, X second, just a second. Yes, 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 yes. Listen, 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 listen. Here I did a blunder. See, yes, yes. We can actually donate the blood because RH antigen is not present in O negative blood. But if you talk about O positive blood, then RH antigen is present, present there. We can't donate O positive blood to AB negative or B negative or A negative person because uh, they don't have RH antigen present. But the O positive blood group actually contains RH antigen. That's why uh, coagulation will take place and uh, yeah, that will create a problem. So o, o positive blood group cannot be donated to the person who, who is having, you know, the negative blood group so the accurate way to say that o, o, o negative is actually the uh, you know universal donor that can actually donate blood to a positive a negative b positive b negative a b positive a b negative okay but o positive can donate blood only to a positive b positive a b positive and o positive o positive blood group cannot be given to the individual with who is having a negative or b negative or a b negative blood group because they don't have rh antigen present so yeah that is the question uh, keep that in mind let's move forward now uh, yeah so now it's rh grouping uh, another antigen the rh antigen similar to one present in rhesus monkey hence rh is uh, also observed on the surface of rbc remember the location of rh uh, or the RH antigen. Yeah, it is antigen. Obviously, that's gonna be present on the surface of RBC because as antibodies are present on the surface of plasma. But these antigen are present on the surface of RBC. Of majority, majority, nearly eighty percent of humans are you know having blood group which is positive. Okay, such individuals are called RH positive, and those in whom uh, this antigen is absent are called RH negative individuals and they are just 20% okay if an RH negative person is exposed to RH positive blood will form a specific antibodies against the RH antigens therefore RH group should be matched before transfusion okay uh, a special case of RH incompatibility or mismatching has been observed between the RH negative blood of a pregnant mother with the RH positive blood of the fetus RH antigen of the fetus do not get exposed to the RH negative blood of the mother in the first pregnancy as the two bloods are well separated by the placenta. 
However, during the delivery of the first child, there is a possibility of exposure of the maternal blood to a small amount of Rh positive blood from the fetus. In such cases, the mother starts preparing antibodies against Rh antigen in her blood. In case of her subsequent pregnancies, the Rh antibodies from the mother that is Rh negative can leak into the blood of the fetus that is Rh positive and destroy the fetal adhesive. And, 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 and it, it can even result in, you know, this could be fatal to the fetus or could cause severe anemia and jaundice to the baby. This condition is called erythroblastosis fetalis. Quite very simple phenomena, uh, but quite complex in real life. This can be avoided by administering NTRS antibodies to the mother immediately after the delivery of the first child. That is, you know, uh, I guess the name of that uh, injection is Roganite. I don't think, but it's actually sure that it's the Rogam, which is the injection given to the mother uh, just after the delivery. Alright, now let's discuss this coagulation of blood in detail. Very, very important topic. Again, the steps are very important in this uh, coagulation of blood. Okay, you we know that when we cut our, or when we cut our finger, like uh, not uh, you know intentionally by mistake or hurt ourselves, you are bound by you know kind of cutting vegetables or you know doing anything just with the help with the scissor or with blade or anything. Uh, we our wound does not continue to bleed for a long time. Usually, the blood stops flowing after some time. Do you know why? Uh, yeah, obviously because of coagulation our body does not wants to damage itself. So our body has kind of mechanism Okay, so yeah, that is why blood exhibit coagulation or clotting in response to an injury or trauma This is the mechanism to prevent excess loss of blood from the body You would have observed a dark reddish brown scum formed at the site of cut or, or injury over a period of time It is a clot or coagulum formed mainly of a network of threads called fibrins in which dead and damaged form elements of blood are trapped Fibrins are formed by the conversion of inactive fibrinogens in the plasma by the enzyme thrombin. So thrombin comes into the picture first and activates this fibrinogen. Thrombin in turns are formed from the another inactive substance present in the plasma called prothrombin. So, uh, okay, so thrombin is actually activated uh, with the help of prothrombin and an enzyme complex thrombokinase is required for the above reaction. So, prothrombin is activated by thrombokinase, okay. Now, this complex is formed by a series of linked enzymatic reactions that is considered as the cascade process. Very important term involved a number of factors present in the uh, plasma in an inactive state. On injury or trauma stimulates the platelets in the blood to release certain factors which activate the mechanism of coagulation. Certain factors are released by the tissue at the site of injury also can initiate coagulation. Calcium ion plays a very important role in clotting. Now remember this, the statement is very important. Calcium ions play a very important role in clotting. Okay, now listen to me thrombokinase is activating prothrombin prothrombin is activating thrombin and thrombin is activating fibrinogen and fibrinogen is actually from forming fibrin which are actually involved in coagulation or uh, you know uh, forming a clot okay so thrombokinase is the thing from where the actual process is beginning as per our ncrt thrombokinase then prothrombin then comes this thrombin then comes this uh, fibrinogen then comes this fibrin and then comes this clot isn't it but the calcium is playing very important role in the clotting okay now Let's discuss this lymph tissue fluid. As the blood passes through the capillaries in tissue, some water along with some uh, many with many small water soluble substances move out into the spaces between the cells of the tissue, leaving the larger protein and most of the formed elements in the blood vessels. This fluid released out is called the interstitial fluid or the tissue fluid. It has the same mineral distribution as that in the plasma, exchange of nutrients, gases, etc. between the blood and the cells always occur through this fluid. An elaborative network of vessels called the lymphatic system collects this fluid and drains it back to the major veins. The fluid present in the lymphatic system is called the lymph. Lymph is a colorless fluid containing specialized lymphocytes which are responsible for the immune response of the body. Lymph is also an important carrier for nutrients, hormones, etc. Fates are absorbed through the lymph in the lectures present in the intestinal villi. The like, we know that fates are, you know, uh, covered with a fates molecule like, you know, this uh, uh, missiles are actually covered with a protein layer uh, which we call them as, uh, address them as, you know, uh, mm, 
I just forgot the term that was chylomicrons. Yeah, chylomicrons, which are actually, you know, um, uh, entered into this lymph tissue to get involved, uh, to entered into the, uh, to enter into the blood. They use, you know, this lymphatic vessels, isn't it? Now we will uh, start the actual chapter that is the circulatory pathway. The real chapter begins now. Uh, we will start, uh, we will discuss this in the next segment. Till then, skip then take a little break. Well, let's see the circulatory pathways now. Circulatory pathways are of two types, open or closed. Open circulatory system is present in arthropods and molluscus in which the blood pumped by the heart passes through large vessels into open spaces or body cavities called sinuses. Annelids and chordates have a closed circulatory system in which the blood pumped by the heart is always circulated through a closed network of blood vessels. This pattern is considered to be more advantageous as the flow of fluid can be more precisely regulated. Old water braids possess a muscular chambered heart. Fishes have a tooth chambered heart with an atrium and a ventricle. Amphibians and the reptiles except crocodiles have a three chambered heart with two atria and a single ventricle. Whereas crocodiles, birds and mammals possess a four chambered heart with two atria and two ventricles. In fishes, the heart pumps out deoxygenated blood which is oxygenated by the gills. Mark my words, very important line. In fishes, the heart pumps out deoxygenated blood which is oxygenated by the gills and supplied to the body parts from where deoxygenated blood is returned to the heart that is the single circulation. In amphibians and reptiles, the left atrium receives oxygenated blood from gills, lungs or skin and the right atrium gets the deoxygenated blood from the other body parts. However, they get mixed up in a single ventricle which pumps out a mixed blood that is an incomplete double circulation in both. Okay. In birds and mammals, oxygenated and deoxygenated blood received by the left and the right atria respectively passes on the ventricles of the same side. The ventricles pump it out without any mixing up. That is, two separate circulatory pathways are present in these organisms. Hence, these animals have a double circulation. Now, let us study the human circulation system in more detail. Human circulatory system. Human circulatory system, also called the blood vascular system, consists of a muscular chambered heart, a network of a closed branching blood vessels and a blood, the fluid which is circulated, okay. Blood is the fluid which is getting circulated, isn't it? Now heart, what is heart? So heart is a mesodermally derived organ, is situated in the thoracic cavity in between the two lungs. Remember the position. Uh, situated in the thoracic cavity in between the two lungs slightly tilted to the left it is the size of a cleansed fist it is protected by a double walled membranous bag called pericardium enclosing the pericardial fluid somewhat like you know lungs have pleural fluid the heart have pericardial fluid over heart as a four chambers two relatively small upper chambers called atria and two lower uh, two larger lower chambers called ventricles okay over heart as a four chambers two relatively small upper chambers called atria and two larger lower chambers called ventricles a thin muscular wall called the interatrial septum separates the right and the left atria whereas a thick walled the interventricular septum separates the left and the right ventricles the atrium and the ventricle of the same side are also separated by a thick fibrous tissue called the atrioventricular septum however each of these septa are provided with an opening through which the two chambers of the same side are connected the opening between the right atrium and the right ventricle is guarded by a valve formed by three muscular pipes or cusps the tricuspid valve whereas a bicuspid valve or a mitral valve valve guards the opening between the left atrium and the left ventricle now how to remember where is this bicuspid valve located and where is this tricuspid valve valve located so here is an heck we know that the people uh, which who ride with the right hand who are actually you know the people actually use their right hand to ride the stuff are more in number compared to the people who ride with the left hand so the 
left hand is actually involving less number of people so there are just two valves that is the bicuspid but the right number are you know the more people are involved uh, with the uh, writing uh, sex uh, writing uh, thing so uh, action writing action uh, that's why the right uh, the valve present between the right atrium and the right ventricle is tricuspid valve. So you can, you know, kind of remember it like this. Bicuspid valve is also known as, you know, mitral valve. The opening of the right and the left ventricles into the pulmonary artery and the aorta respectively are provided with the semilunar valves. Remember this. The valves in the heart allows the flow of blood only in one direction, that is from atria to ventricles and from ventricles to the pulmonary artery or aorta. These valves prevent any backward flow. We know that valves are unidirectional, whereas sphincters are bidirectional. Alright, now, sphincters are bidirectional and valves are unidirectional. The entire heart is made up of cardiac muscles. The wall of ventricles are much thicker than that of atria. That's why, we, you know, just we uh, say that the septum which is present between the left and the right atrium uh, is the thicker one, isn't it? Now, uh, specialized cardiac musculature called the nodal tissue is also distributed in the heart. A patch of this tissue is present in the right upper corner of the right atrium. Right upper corner of the right atrium is called as the sinoatrial node or the SAN. Another mass of this tissue is seen in the lower left corner of the right atrium. Lower left corner of the right atrium close to the atrioventricular septum and is called as the uh, atrioventricular node that is the uh, AVN or you can say the AVN, a bundle of node fibers, atrioventricular bundle, AV bundle continues from the AVN which passes through the atrioventricular septa to emerge on the top of the uh, interventricular septum and immediately divides into the right and left bundle. These branches give rise to minded fibers through the ventricular musculature of the prospective sites and are called as Purkinje fibers. So Purkinje fibers are indirectly or directly originating from the AV knot, isn't it? The nodal musculature has the ability to generate action potential without any external stimuli that is it is auto excitable isn't it quite good however the number of action potential that could be generated in a minute vary at different parts of the nodal system the sinoatrial node can generate the maximum number of action potential that is 70 to 75 per minute and is responsible for initiating and maintaining the rhythm contra contractile activity of the heart Alright, so if you take out the uh, SAN node outside your heart, then you will see that there are around 100, uh, uh, you know, uh, potential, action potential generated per minute. But inside our body, there is, you know, kind of regulatory system uh, controlling the potential. That's why it is reduced till 70 to 75 per minute. Alright, and it's responsible for initiating and maintaining the rhythm and contractile activity of the heart. Therefore, it is called as the pacemaker. That therefore it is therefore it is called the pacemaker. So remember SA node, sinoatrial node which is present at the top right corner of the uh, you know, uh, right atrium, uh, or right, and it's known as the pacemaker. Our heart normally beats 70 to 75 times in a minute. That is average 72 beats per minute. Now, let's discuss this cardiac uh, cycle. All right. Now, how does the heart function? Let us take a look at it. Uh, to begin with, all the four chambers of heart are in a relaxed state. All right. That is, they are in a joint diastole. Relaxation means diastole. Now, how to remember this? Remember the term R.D. Sharma, the popular book. R.D. R stands for relaxed, D stands for uh, diastole. R.D. Alright. As the tricuspid and the bicuspid valves are open, blood from the atria, pulmonary vein, see, tricuspid and bicuspid valves are open, blood from the pulmonary veins and vena cava flows into the left and the right ventricle respectively to the left and right atria. So where are this tricuspid and bicuspid valve present? They are present between atria and ventricle. So the blood will flow from atria to ventricle uh, respectively from the, uh, respectively in left and right, isn't it? Uh, the semilunar valves are closed at this stage. When this tricuspid and bicuspid valves are open at that time, semilunar valves are 
closed. All right, remember this. The SN node grow. SN node now generates an excess potential, which stimulates both the atria to undergo simultaneous contraction. The atrial systole. All right. Now the atria will systole, uh, and there's a valve will also, you know, kind of get closed. The excess potential is conducted to the ventricular side by the AV node and AV bundle, from where the bundle of his transmit it uh, it through the entire ventricular musculature. This causes the ventricular muscle to contract. That is the ventricular systole. The uh, all right. Now ventricle actually you know kind of undergoes systole condition the atria undergoes relaxation that is the diastole and coinciding with the ventricular systole and the ventricular systole increases the ventricular pressure closing uh, causing the closure of a tricuspid and a bicuspid valve due to the attempted back to due to attempted back flow of blood to the atria as the uh, you know uh, pressure in the uh, ventricles increases we know that blood flows flows from higher pressure to lower pressure so blood tries to move back to the atria but to prevent that back flow there are this uh, tricuspid and bicuspid valve present but they get closed as these uh, ventricles are filled with the uh, blood ones all right as the ventricular pressure increases further the semilunar valves guarding the pulmonary arteries and the aorta are forced open so to maintain that you know pressure gradient uh, or to you know change their pressure potential or pressure gradient this semilunar valves now open and the blood enters into the atrium again Again, let's read what is happening the seminal valves guarding the pulmonary artery that is the right side and aorta that is the left side are forced open allowing the blood in the ventricles to flow through these vessels into the circulatory pathways so this blood enter into this pulmonary artery and aorta respectively the ventricles now relaxes ventricular diastole and the ventricular pressure falls causing the closure of semilunar valves which prevents the back flow of blood into the ventricles quite simple as the ventricular pressure declines further the tricuspid and bicuspid valve are pushed open uh, by the uh, pressure in the atria exerted by the blood which was being emptied into them by the veins uh, all right the blood now once again moves freely to the ventricles uh, the ventricles and atria uh, the ventricles and atria are now again in a relaxed or a joint diastole stage as earlier soon the sino uh, sa node that is the sino atrial node generates a new action potential and the events described above are repeated in that sequence and the process continues it's quite quite simple try to you know relate it read it slowly once again if you want to uh, I got the I got the I got to know like what are the steps if you don't know pause this pause this audio and read this again I am sure you will get the thing it's very simple English just we need a complete focus over here let's move ahead then I hope you are clear now this sequential event in the heart which is cyclically repeated is called the cardiac cycle and it consists of a systole and diastole of both the atria and ventricles. As mentioned earlier, the heart beats 72 times per minute that is that many cardiac cycles are performed per minute. From this, it could be deduced that the duration of cardiac cycle is 0.8 seconds. During the cardiac cycle, each ventricle pumps out approximately 70 ml of blood which is called the stroke volume. Remember this, the stroke volume multiplied by the heart rate or the number of beats per minute gives the cardiac output therefore the cardiac output can be defined as the volume of blood pumped out of uh, each ventricle per minute and averages to about 5000 ml or 5 liters in a healthy individual the body has the ability to alter the stroke volume as well as the heart rate and thereby the cardiac output for example the cardiac output of an athlete will be much higher than that of an ordinary man quite simple isn't it quite makes even sense now, during each cardiac cycle, true prominent sounds are produced, which can be easily heard through the stethoscope. The first heart sound, that is a love, is associated with the closure of the tricuspid valve and bicuspid valves, whereas the second heart sound, dub, is associated with the closure of the semilunar valves. These sounds are clinical diagnostic significance. Now, if we talk about the love sound, then uh, uh, love sound is, you know, is actually having the low pitch and, uh, yeah, that is it. Uh, well, let's talk about this. ECG now. We are probably, you know, kind of familiar uh, with the scene from a typical hospital television show. <laughs> Isn't it quite funny? A patient is hooked up 
to a monitoring machine. This shows voltage traces on a screen and makes the sound pip pip pee. Alright, we, we are actually familiar with it. As the patient goes into the cardiac arrest, this type of machine that is electrocardiograph, remember it is not electrocardiogram. Electrocardiogram is the graph, but the machine is electrocardiograph. It's used to obtain electrocardiogram, that is ECG. And ECG is a graphical representation of the electrical activity of the heart during a cardiac muscle. To obtain a standard ECG as shown in the figure 18.3, a patient is connected to the machine with three electrical leads, one to each wrist and to the left ankle, that continuously monitor the heart activity for a detailed evaluation of the heart's function. Multiple leads are attached to the chest region, hence we, all, we will talk only about a standard ECG. Each peak in ECG is identified with a letter from P to T that correspond to uh, specific electrical activity of the heart. The P wave represents the electrical excitation or depolarization of the atria. Remember, P wave represents the depolarization of the atria which leads to the contraction of both atria. Uh, Alright, now uh, depolarization is the contraction DC. Okay, depolarization CD comes pass pass. Alright, after C comes D. So depolarization is actually the contraction. The QRS complex represents the depolarization of the ventricles. First, we atria contract, uh, depolarize, then comes this ventrial contracts. When ventricles contract, uh, atria relaxes. Okay. Uh, which initiates the ventricular contraction. QRS complex is actually trying to represent ventricular contraction and atrial relaxation. Both the things are mentioned but NCRT is not mentioning that QRS is also showing atrial relaxation but in the actual sense QRS wave is also showing the atrial, atrial relaxation stage. Alright, so keep that in mind. The concentration starts show slowly after Q and marks the beginning of the systole. The T wave represents the region of the ventricles from excited to normal state that is a repolarization. The end of the T wave marks the end of the systole. Obviously by counting the number of QRS complex that occur in a given time period, one can determine the heart rate rate of an individual. Since the ECG obtained from a different individuals have roughly the same shape for a given lead configuration, any deviation from the shape any deviation from this shape indicates a possible abnormality or diseases or disease. Hence, it is of a great clinical significance. Now, let's discuss what is this double circulation. ECG is quite common. Make sure you are uh, uh, aware about what each uh, you know point in the graph denotes. All right. Now, let's discuss this double circulation. The blood flows strictly by a fixed uh, route through blood vessels, the atrial and veins. Okay, now basically each artery and veins consist of three layers, an inner lining of squamous endothelium, the tunica entima, a middle layer of smooth muscles and elastic fibers, the tunica media, and an external layer of fibrous connective tissue with collagen fibers, the tunica externa. Remember this thing, blood vessels are actually, you know, uh, uh, these veins and arteries are consist of three layers. The inner one is tunica intima, inner intima. The middle one is tunica media, and the outer one is the tunica external, or the external one is tunica external. Okay, external tunica external. All right. Now the tunica media is com comparatively thin in the veins. Okay, so remember this tunica media. It's kind of memory based line. Uh, it just you know you 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 have to you know kind of grasp the thing. The tunica media is kind of comparatively thin in case of veins. As mentioned earlier, the blood is pumped by the right ventricles and turns the pulmonary artery, whereas the left ventricle pumps blood into the aorta. The deoxygenated blood pumped into the pulmonary artery is passed onto lungs from where the oxygen blood is carried by the pulmonary veins into the left vent atrium. This pathway constitutes the pulmonary circulation. The oxygenated blood entering the aorta is carried by a network of arteries, atrioles and capillaries into the, uh, into the tissue from where the deoxygenated blood is collected by a system of venules. Veins and vena cava are embedded into the right atrium. So yeah, quite common since we have a, you know, understandable. This thing is like, you know, kind of common language this is the systematic circulation the systematic circulation provides uh, 
uh, nutrition, oxygen, and other essential substance to the tissue and makes CO and takes CO2 and other harmful substances away from elimination. A unique muscular connection exists between the digestive tract and the liver called the hepatic portal system. Okay, remember hepatic portal system. See, uh, hepatic we can understand that is the liver is involved, but the second thing involved over here is the digestive tract. Don't get confused with, you know, any other thing like pancreas or, uh, or anything else. Like, don't get confused. Uh, so, here this hepatic portal system involves this liver and this digestive system. The hepatic portal vein carries the blood from intestine to the liver. Okay, remember, hepatic portal vein carries the blood from intestine to the liver before it is delivered to the systematic circulation. A special coronary system of blood vessel is present in our body exclusively for the circulation of blood to and from uh, the cardiac musculature. Alright, uh, so this is, you know, the kind of separate system present in our body, in the, in the body of, you know, who have, you know, kind of this double circulation involved. Mainly this, uh, most of these higher animals have this regulation of cardiac activity so higher animals are like you know especially mammals birds okay now regulation of cardiac activity normal activities of the heart regulated intrinsically that is auto regulated by specialized muscles that are the normal tissues hence the heart is called myogenic uh, you know there is s and and uh, uh, atrial uh, ventricular node every node so yeah these are you know make the heart myogenic a special neural cent neural central sorry a special neural center in the medulla oblongata remember it's medulla oblongata not bones where only or anything else it is a medulla oblongata it can moderate the cardiac function through autonomic nervous system neural signals through the sympathetic nerves which are part of autonomic nervous system can increase the rate of heartbeat the strength of ventricular contraction and thereby the cardiac output remember this medulla uh, the autonomous nervous system of medulla oblongata is involved is involved in increasing the heart rate and thereby the cardiac output remember they are increasing not decreasing okay now on the other hand parasympathetic neural signals that are another component of ans decreases the rate of heartbeat uh, speed the conduct uh, speed the conduct uh, speed of conduction of action potential and thereby the cardiac output so these uh, you know this uh, in case of autonomous nervous system, sympathetic nerve actually increases the rate of heartbeat when there is a hustle, when you are attempting the neat examination paper, there is, you know, sympathetic nervous system involved which increases your heartbeat. But when you will finish your neat paper, you are kind of relaxed. Uh, that is the state of parasympathetic neural system where your, your heart rate will be, you know, kind of decreased and the speed of conduction of action uh, potential and thereby your cardiac output. Output will also get decreased now adrenal medullary hormones uh, can also increase the cardiac output now remember this uh, adrenally uh, adrenal medullary hormones also helps this sympathetic nervous system to increase the cardiac output now let's discuss the disorders of circulatory system high blood pressure or the hypertension Hypertension is a term, remember this, a very very important paragraph, the numerical values involved over here are very very important, so make sure you are listening very carefully. Hypertension is a term for blood pressure that is higher than normal, the normal blood pressure is like 120 upon 80 ratio, in this measurement 120 millimeter Hg uh, or the mercury pressure is the systolic or pumping pressure and 80 millimeter Hg is the diastolic or the resting pressure, alright, now. If reported, uh, see, when there is a pumping, like uh, the flow of blood, uh, when the blood actually enters in the ventricle, then you will see the pressure of around, you know, uh, 120. And when they are in a relaxed condition, uh, then you will see the 80, uh, 80 millimeter HD, that is the diastolic condition, RD Sharma, isn't it? Now, if repeated checks of blood pressure of an individual is 140 to 140 by 90 or 140 over 90 or higher than, uh, even higher than 140 and 90, it shows hypertension. High blood pressure leads to heart disease and also affect vital organs like brain and kidney. Okay, so keep this in mind. Now, coronary artery disease, that is the CAD, coronary artery disease, often referred to as the Remember the another term that is the atherosclerosis. 
Atherosclerosis is the coronary artery disease which affects the vessels that supply blood to the heart muscles. It is caused by deposit of calcium, fat, cholesterol, and fibrous tissue which make the lumen of arteries uh, narrower. Alright, now if we talk about the angina, then it is called angina pectoris. A symptom of acute chest pain appears when no enough oxygen is reaching the heart muscle. Angina can occur in men and women of any age, but is most is but is it is more common among the middle-aged and elderly. It occurs due to the condition that affects the blood flow. Okay, so remember. This coronary artery disease is somewhat affecting our vessels. They may, uh, you know, kind of block the blood flow because of deposition of calcium, fat, cholesterol, which occurs because of, you know, uh, when the diet, con diet includes more of cholesterol, then the, this coronary artery diseases are, you know, uh, having the maximum chance to attack on individual. If we talk about the angina, then the, it is, you know, kind of acute chest pain is a term. Whenever you see the term acute chest pain in a question, uh, just close your eyes and mark the answer in angina okay which is it is a condition when enough oxygen is not reaching our heart muscles okay uh, that's why our chest uh, actually pains angina can occur in men and women of any age but it occurs mostly in case of uh, uh, you know uh, middle aged because of you know kind of tension involved when there is a hypertension or not tension when there is you know kind of uh, so much uh, uh, fear or you know kind of negativity running in your mind so at that time you may suffer from angina which is the acute chest pain the tension which are most of the time it occurs of the occurs to the people of middle aged and even elder like 40s or 30s all right now let's discuss what is this heart failure heart failure means the state of heart when it is not pumping blood effectively enough to meet the needs of the body remember what is heart failure heart is not working in an efficient way and full full body is actually suffering okay it is sometimes called congestive heart failure because congestion of the lung is one of the main symptoms of this disease now the very important line heart failure is not the same as cardiac arrest cardiac arrest is like when the heart stops beating or a heart attack when the heart muscle is suddenly damaged by an inadequate blood supply so when there is a cardiac arrest the person is said to be dead but in case of heart arrest or or you can say the heart attack the, uh, there are chances that the organ uh, that the individual may survive because there is just a damage uh, caused in uh, one of the muscle where, which actually is causing the you know inadequate blood supply and the heart failure is something uh, which is actually responsible for the inadequate supply of blood throughout the body okay but in case of heart uh, heart attack only uh, you know certain muscles are not getting the blood okay so these are the terms you must you know not get confused with now vertebrate circle uh, let's discuss this some more now vertebrate circulate blood a fluid connective tissue in their body to transport essential substances to the cells and to carry waste substances from there another fluid that is the lymph tissue is also used for the transport of certain substances blood comprises of fluid matrix plasma and formed elements like uh, red blood cells erythrocytes white blood cells that is the leukocytes and platelets that are the thrombocytes constitute the formed elements blood of humans are grouped into a b a, B and O system uh, based on the presence or absence of two surface antigens A and B on the RBC. We know that antigens are present on the surface and antibodies are present on the surface of plasma. Okay, now another blood grouping is also done based on the presence or absence of another antigen called rhesus factor or RH on the surface of RBCs. The space between the cells in the tissue contain a fluid derived from blood called tissue fluid. This fluid called lymph is almost similar to the blood except for the protein contained and formed elements all vertebrates and few invertebrates have a closed circulatory system our circulatory system consists of a muscular pumping organ that is the heart a network of vessels and a fluid blood all right now heart has two atria and two ventricles cardiac musculature is auto excitable sinoatrial node that is the SN node generates the maximum number of excess potential per minute 
that is 70 to 75 per minute and therefore it changes the pace of the activities of the heart hence it is called as the pacemaker the action potential causes atria and then the ventricles to undergo contraction that is a systole followed by the relaxation that is the diastole the systole forces the blood to move from the atria to the ventricles and to the pulmonary arteries and the aorta the cardiac cycle is performed or formed uh, sorry the cardiac cycle is formed by sequential events in the heart which is cyclic cyclically repeated and is called the cardiac cycle uh, which is you know uh, around of uh, 0.8 seconds right uh, a healthy person shows around 72 such cycles per minute about 70 ml of blood is pumped out by each ventricle uh, not 0.8 actually it is 8 seconds a healthy person shows 72 such cycles per minute about 70 ml of Uh, blood is pumped out by each ventricle during a cardiac cycle and it is called the stroke or beat volume uh, volume of nine 0.8 second not 8 second yeah i was correct pehle okay so 0.8 seconds volume of blood pumped out by each ventricle of heart per minute is called the cardiac output and is equal to the product of stroke volume and the heart rate very important formula which is not mentioned in the chapter but is mentioned in the summary so make sure you are keeping note of it volume of blood pumped out by each ventricle of heart per minute is called the cardiac output and it is equal to the product of stroke volume and the heart rate that is approximately around 5 liter the electrical activity of the heart can be uh, you know can be uh, recorded from uh, uh, can be recorded uh, where it is yeah can be recorded from the body surface by using electrocardiograph and the recording is called electrocardiogram the graph is actually considered as the gram electrocardiogram it is you know kind of a, a misleading term ecg which is a clinical which is of clinical importance we have a complete double circulation that is two circulatory pathways namely a pulmonary and a systematic are present okay the pulmonary circulation starts by the pumping of deoxygenated blood by the right ventricle which is called the lungs where it is oxygenated and written to the left atrium the systematic circulation starts with the pumping of oxygenated blood by the left ventricle to the atria which is carried to all the bloody tissues and the deoxygenated blood from there is collected by the veins and uh, you know written to the right atrium okay to the heart is auto excitable it function can be uh, modulated by neural and hormonal mechanisms as well like uh, you know this parasympathetic nervous system then uh, sympathetic nervous system and one more thing was there adrenal you know secretion also regulates the uh, heart rate uh, here we finish our chapter and now it's your uh, job to solve the maximum number of mcqs that you can and here is one quick important note if you want to give me if you want if you have any kind of suggestion uh, regarding this podcast what you want what you want the next what i should you know do to improve this uh, uh, podcast quality uh, if you have any suggestion then you can contact me on my insta handle that is simran b underscore kriplani and uh, we will meet soon with the next chapter that is uh, uh, excretion uh, excretion and their excret and the excretory products uh, in the in the next sec in the next episode till then keep studying take care and bye bye thank you